Remember that feeling of joy, like a spark of light, being innocent and free, like an evening breeze on a summer night. But then a slight change as the north wind blows, the shame of sin as addiction takes hold, feeling darkness close as the doors start to close. The unrelenting march of winter has won. It seems the occupation has begun. White flags, hands up, darkness assumes the throne. But then a flicker of light in the dead of night. The opposition is nervous. They heard the wounded healer has joined the fight. Resurrection, the glimmer of his battle scars makes the night take flight. Insurrection, we're emboldened. That's why there's more of us now, right? We've been locked up, but he set us free. We once were blind, but now we see. We no longer retreat because we've tasted and seen. And now we believe that the darkness will not overcome the light. The subject tonight is entitled, The Hour of Belief. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for the awesome God that you are, for all you have done and all that you are doing. Lord, we know that you are doing a miracle in lives right now. Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. Lord, I pray that you would make all things new right now in each person's heart here tonight. We all have struggles. We all have problems we all have things that are happening in our life that want to rob us of hope. But help us to see tonight that with Christ's light, the darkness can never overcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John 4, 49 says, The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his, on his way. The key word here is the word believed. Man, when the wedding ran out of wine, Mary believed that Jesus could provide it. When you run out of money, can you believe that God can still make ends meet? After the breakup or the breakdown or the bankruptcy, can you believe that God can build you up better and bigger if you let him? When the doctor tells you there's nothing left that they can do, can you believe that you have a God who can still do something? Maybe you've tried quitting a thousand times before, but can you believe that this time will be the time that God gives you victory? When you run out of options, who do you run to? This guy ran to the right place. Hallelujah, he ran to Jesus. He ran to Jesus. In our first sign, we learn the first step in new creation. And that was getting honest. We've got to get honest with ourselves and with God because, man, denial is a powerful thing. We've got to stop acting like we don't have problems, and we've got to bring our problem to Jesus. Okay, in this first sign, we've got to get honest. You see, once Mary acknowledged what she couldn't do, she opened herself up to what only God could do. In our second sign, we learn the importance of belief, the importance of having hope spiritual principles of open-mindedness and willingness. 
We've got to believe something can happen. After accepting the problem, we have to believe there is a solution that is bigger than our problems. We've got to believe that God's got a solution. The second step in the 12 steps says we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You know, I needed something bigger and more powerful than me in order to help me do what I had been unable to do up to this point. And so we talked about that first step can be summed up in two words, I can't. The second step can be summed up in two words, he can. Amen? I can't, he can. John 4, 46. So he came to Cana in Galilee where he had made water wine. The first two miracles have a lot in common as you study them. There, there are a lot of parallels with the first sign. John draws our attention to this uh, by referring to the first sign twice in this scene. We see that here in the beginning, and then again he reminds us at the end in John 54. It says, this was now the second sign that Jesus did, did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So in both miracles, Jesus has just come back to Galilee. Someone comes up to him with a request. Uh, Jesus seems to refuse the request, but the person persists. You see, friends, real belief persists. And the person persists, and so Jesus grants the request. And afterwards... Jesus goes to Jerusalem and to the temple. And so you could call these two signs from Cana to Cana. It isn't by accident that the second sign happens in the exact same spot as the first sign. You know, is, Jesus wants to know, has the last miracle led to greater belief? He wants to know, is there more hope this time in Cana because of the sign he did the last time he was in Cana? Because God worked the last situation out, do you have more belief that he'll work this situation out? You see, God is not, doesn't do parlor tricks. God's not a magician. He doesn't have a low self-esteem. God doesn't do tricks uh, and signs just to do signs. There's always a deeper message. With every miracle, it should lead to greater and bigger belief. More hope. John 20, 31, that's the whole point of this series. That's the whole point of these signs. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Check it out. The quality of our new creation is in direct correlation with our belief in Christ's incarnation. Just before this scene, Jesus has this encounter with this town in Samaria, he, he meets with a Samaritan woman, and then eventually it extends, the miracle extends from the woman all the way into the town that she lives in. John 4, 39 says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me all I ever did. John 4, 41, and many more believed because of his word. John 4, 42, it is no longer because 
because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. You see, when it comes to belief, someone else's experience can only take you so far. Because when the darkness surrounds you, your parents' belief will not help you. Your, your pastor's uh, Bible study will not change you. All right? Uh, your friend's prayer life will not transform you. you got to have your own belief. Man, the entire town of Samaria believes. It's a miracle. But what about Galilee? Do they believe? See, John is building this momentum of belief. He's, the Holy Spirit is setting us up. Notice John 4. So he came again to Canaan, Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus, notice what Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now at first it seems a bit harsh. I mean, the guy's just asking for a little bit of help. But something a lot deeper is going on in this scene. First, the word you, the two words you in this sentence, both are plural, so Jesus isn't just talking to this guy. He's talking to everyone. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. When the official comes asking for help, Jesus is just using this as an opportunity to teach a deeper lesson. Because see, with every physical miracle that Jesus performed, he always was addressing a deeper spiritual need. John uses the same Greek word for sign here that he uses with all of the signs in his gospel, but adds another word that Jesus uses, teros. It's a word that means wonders. It appears nowhere else in John's gospel. You see, it seems as though that the people of Galilee are approaching Jesus as a magician instead of a Messiah. Friends, they saw the sign... But they missed the Savior. They saw the miracle, but they missed, they missed the message. And you know, it's easy for us to look down on these individuals, but how many times has God stepped into your life and saved you only for you to forget the next day? How many times have you gone to church and, 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 felt, and left feeling saved only to feel lost by Monday? We can't look down on these people. We see these, this group, the Jewish leaders, constantly asking for signs. John 2.18, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? In John 6.30, so they said to him, then what sign do you, do you do that we may see and believe you what work you do perform? Now it's important to remember that this is right after Jesus has just multiplied bread and fish. And we're going to look at this miracle in, in one of the upcoming presentations. But think about that. Jesus has just multiplied bread and fish, and they're asking for a sign. You see, I've discovered in life, signs can't fix stupid. 
Signs cannot fix stupid. Signs can only do so much. Signs are only a means to an end. They are not the end. You see, these individuals are so focused on the signs that they missed the Savior. I wonder if there has ever been people who were so focused on the signs that they missed the Savior, the signs represented. John 4, 48, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You will not believe. You will not believe. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. So instead of leading them to greater belief, the first sign has only led them to having a greater dependence on signs and miracles instead of him. Unlike the Samaritans, the Galileans wanted Jesus for what he could do instead of for who he was. They wanted something from him, but they didn't really want to worship him. And my question to us tonight is, what about us? Man, we live in an age where, we, where, where, where folk shop for churches like they shop for cars. Where we shop religion like we shop for clothes. We live in a world of, of consumerism. Man, we, we church hop like I used to doctor hop. Do they have the programs that meet my needs? Do they f- feed me, feed me, feed me? Why don't you feed someone else for a change? The church ain't about you, it's about Jesus. We live in an age where people shop for churches. We want a solution without having to surrender. We want a resurrection without a crucifixion. We want a miracle without the master. We want Jesus to fix our problem, but not us. But I'm here to tell you today, your greatest problem is none other than you. Jesus is not just some genie in a bottle. Christ is not your cosmic vending machine. He's not just a miracle worker. He's the Messiah. Our hope has to be in a Savior and not in a sign. Our beliefs got to be based on a relationship and not just a result. John 4, 48, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Man, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus do some amazing things. The the irony of this statement, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe, is that the only way we can see miracles is if we believe. That's the irony of that statement. So what's going on here? Well, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus doing some amazing things, man. The, the eyes of the blind are open. The ears of the deaf are open. Man, those who once couldn't walk start walking. And those who once couldn't talk start talking. Man, demons are kicked out of people. Chains are broken. Darkness is expelled. But in Mark 6, 5, we run into this startling verse. It says that he could do no mighty work there. One day I was studying him, and this verse just jumped out at me. Because everywhere you go in the gospel, Jesus is doing mighty work. Well, so why could he do no mighty work there? Well, it tells us 
And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief. So where was this place where Jesus could do no mighty work? Where was this place where the miraculous was stopped short? Well, all four Gospels tell us the same thing. It was Jesus' hometown. John 4, 44, as we're entering into this scene, as Jesus is going back to Galilee before the official comes up, this whole verse sets us up. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. You know, I've discover, discovered that often the hardest places to have hope in uh, are the places that are closest to home. Often the hardest places to have hope in is in the neighborhood, neighborhoods that we live in. Maybe, you know, it's, it's the hardest to have hope in, in, in the dysfunctional home that we grew up in or the relationship that we're stuck in, the people that we work with. Sometimes the hardest places to believe in a miracle are in the lives of the people that we go to school with. The hardest miracles to believe in are often the ones that are closest to home. But surely Jesus was different. I mean, he is the only begotten of the Father. I mean, surely he didn't have to deal with that, right? Wrong. See, this is one of the most important realities of the gospel. And that is Jesus was not exempt from pain and problems. Jesus was not exempt from the rules. He is and always will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Have you ever been excluded by family? Have you ever been rejected by friends? Have you ever been talked about, laughed about? Maybe you have been abused or maybe you've been used. Did the people who should have believed in you most believe in you the least? You're not alone because Hebrews, there's this powerful text in Hebrews 4.15 that says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect been tempted as we are yet without sin. Man, Nathaniel, one of the 12 disciples, didn't believe anything good could come out of Nazareth. What's interesting is that according to John 21.2, Nathaniel was from Canaan. Cana. Cana was a, was a neighbor to Nazareth. You see, Nathaniel can't believe anything good can come out of something so close. Man, maybe you've heard about God changing the lives of others, but you don't believe that God can change your life. You've heard the testimonies. We've all heard them. The guy gets up and tells this dramatic testimony of deliverance. And we believe that God can do that in their life. But we don't believe God can do that in our life. I want you to remember the greatest good to ever exist came from a place no one believed anything good could come out of. If Jesus could come out of Nazareth, Something good can come out of your bad situation. Something good can come out of your bad neighborhood. Hallelujah. John 1.11 says that he came to his own, 
and his own people did not believe in him. They could not believe that the miracle of the Messiah could show up in their time, in their town, in their lives. And if we're honest, friends, often neither do we. John 7, 5 says that even his own brothers did not believe in him. So the closest to the miracle missed the miracle the most. Mark 3, 21 says when his family heard it, they went out to seize him and they were saying he's out of his mind. Friends, Jesus' own family thought he was out of his mind. Have, has anybody ever thought that you are out of your mind? The word for seize here, you know what it means? It means to control. Jesus' own family tried to come between him and his mission, between him and his miracle. Don't you dare let someone else's unbelief come between you and your miracle. Don't you dare listen to the devil this week when he tells you to stay at home. The devil is a loser. The devil is a liar. The devil is doomed. You know what I love about this scene in Mark 6, 6? Is that it says that Jesus just keeps on teaching. He just keeps on teaching even though they don't believe. Friends, you do the same thing Jesus did. I want you to keep on coming night after night. I want you to keep on praying. I want you to keep on claiming. I want you to keep on believing. You know what? Maybe you've gone to treatment a thousand times. Keep going. I don't care how bad the situation may look. If you can believe it, God can do it. Maybe you've tried counseling, you know, several times before. I want you to give it another try. Don't lose hope. Because you see, the enemy knows if he can steal your hope, he can steal your miracle. In Mark 9, a father brings his possessed son to Jesus. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. He brings his possessed son to Jesus. And, his, and the Bible says that his son was like this since a little boy. And so for, for years, all this father knew was the seizures and the convulsing, the, the writhing in pain. He was surrounded by the problem. The problem is all he's ever known. And he prayed after prayed, but he never saw any breakthroughs. All the attempts that this unclean spirit goes and does on his son's life. You see, it's hard to believe there's light at the end of the tunnel when you're right smack dab in the middle of the tunnel. And yet Jesus, I love it, he says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. Friends, tonight Jesus is saying the same thing to you. I want you to bring your children to me. I want you to bring your marriage to me. I want you to bring your problems to me. I want you to bring your hurt, your habits, your hang-ups, your heartbrokenness, your two-bit attempts for holiness. Bring it to me. Because if I can touch it, I can change you. The Father says, help us if you can. <laughs> I love Jesus' response, if I can. What do you mean, if I can? All things are possible for he who believes. You see, the issue is not whether or not Jesus can do it, but whether or not you can believe it. And right here, we see the first two steps of new creation. This father gets honest, but he has hope. He has hope. 
Check it out. These are the first two steps. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe he has hope. It's small, but he has hope. And then he says, help my unbelief. He's getting honest. Lord, I, I, I struggle with unbelief. He's, he's being honest. Lord, I don't even know if you're there. I don't even know if, if I believe you can do something. And maybe some of us here today, we don't know what we believe. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, I'll never forget, early in recovery, I was so worried that I was going to relapse. I mean, let me tell you, I was so caught up in anxiety, man. I was having panic attacks. I had relapsed so many times before, I felt like I was cursed. You know, I felt like I was just done, that I was cursed, and I was so afraid that I was, would relapse again. And for those of you who were here on opening night, you heard my, my testimony, and I knew that I didn't have another relapse in me, that if I went back out there, I was going to die. Let me just tell you, statistically, two out of three addicts relapse. It's, statistically, it's not good. But you know what? You, you can still, you may not struggle with addiction, but you can still relate to that. Because you relapse with your own sin. You struggle with your own habit. You swore you'd never gossip again, only to go gossip again. You swore, Lord, I'm going to become more generous. And yet you didn't become more generous. We, we all struggle, sadly, when it comes to sin. The statistics are against us, but the good news is God is with us, and he doesn't really care about your statistics. Oh, man. You know, you often hear people say in recovery, they hit bottom. I hit my bottom. I hit my bottom. And I was afraid I hadn't hit mine. I thought maybe it was some kind of magical bottom, and, and, and my bottoms had bottoms had bottoms. And so I went to my sponsor, and you know, my sponsor was a really just cool guy. He looked absolutely nothing like me. But they told you to get a sponsor in the first 90 days. Listen to people talk and, 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 and pick someone who has something you don't have. My sponsor had a job of which when I first came, I did not have. My sponsor had serenity, of which when I first came, I did not have. I mean, uh, his name was Marvin, and, and man, Marvin, he had a, a, a beard that literally went all the way down to his belt. You know, if anybody's ever heard or see, seen ZZ Top, that's Marvin. Guy had tat tattoos everywhere, I mean, all over the place. He drove a Harley Davidson. But you know what? Marvin had something I didn't have. He had hope. He had belief. He had serenity. He had love. I wanted what Marvin had, and so I went up to him, and he became my sponsor. And he's still one of my mentors today, and I'll never forget. I went up to him, and I said, Marvin, how do I know I've hit bottom? And I'll never forget what he said. He says, Richie, your bottom takes place when you stop digging. Your bottom takes place when you stop digging. Drop your shovel and take the hand of God. And friends, that just gave me enough hope. That was only a little bit of hope, but it gave me enough hope to keep on going. As small as my belief was, I kept on going it was enough. I mean, because of that little belief that, and that little bit of hope that Marvin gave, gave me, I kept going. 
That little amount of belief was enough to turn this hopeless dope fiend into a dopeless hope fiend. (laughs) Hallelujah, we serve a God of miracles. Man, as small as the belief was that the Father had, it was enough belief to bring his problem to Jesus. And Jesus had enough power to work a miracle in his son's life. You see, friends, I've discovered it isn't the size of my belief that performs the miracle. It is the object of my belief. It's not the size of my belief. This father had a whole lot of unbelief, little belief. But if I just have the belief of a mustard seed, if I just have enough belief to say, you know what, I can't, but I believe he can. You just need enough belief to bring your problem to Jesus. And he's got enough power to transform your life. Luke 18, 27, what is impossible for people is possible with God. You see, friends, I found out it was impossible for me to stop using, but what is impossible for me is possible for God. It is impossible for some of us to stop going to that website, but what is impossible for us is possible for God. It is impossible to forgive someone who's hurt you, who's devastated you, but what is impossible for us is possible for God. For some people just to be nice, come on, that's going to take a miracle. Some folk just to be positive, that's going to take a miracle. But hallelujah, what is impossible for us is possible for God. You see, our impossibilities are opportunities for God to show off his abilities. But if you want to see it, you got to believe it. you got to have some hope. you got to believe there's a possibility that God can do what you can't do. John 4, 47, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Notice, the official doesn't wait for the miracle to, to, to come to him. He went after the miracle. Friends, if we want to experience new life, we've got to go after new life. John 4, 49, sir, come down before my child dies. Check it out, friends. It is the prayer of a parent. And I want to tell you, there is not nothing much more powerful than the prayer of a parent. Man, I promise you, my mom's got a, got a direct line to the throne room of grace. Man, my, my two older sisters, you know, whenever mom started praying, something would always happen. And, you know, whenever they date someone we didn't like, we put mom to praying. <laughs> and mom would start praying. And sure enough, man, uh, my oldest sister, Jennifer, one day she comes home. Uh, she just gone, it was after graduation. She comes home. She's just in tears. She's crying. And she looks at my, mo- my mom. She goes, Mom, you've been praying again, haven't you? Her boyfriend had just broken up with her. Let's just say the whole family was singing hallelujah, praise the Lord. God is so good. Let me tell you, there is power in prayer. This father's prayer, he puts his prayer request in motion and he pursues Jesus. My mom, she is a prayer warrior. And she has often said, Richie, I thought I knew how to pray before you, (laughs) but now I know what a prayer life looks like after you. 
She records her prayers in journals so that she can see all the ways that God has answered her prayers. You see, like the people in Cana, we are way too quick to forget the miracles that God has done in the past. My mom recently told my, um, or a few years ago, my mom told my two older sisters and I that we would be inheriting these prayer journals. She said, Jennifer and April, you're going to have several volumes. Richie, you're going to have a library. <laughs> she said, girls, you need to bring a few boxes. Richie, you need to bring a U-Haul. I am the byproduct of answered prayer. I have no doubt I am alive today because someone who cared about it. And, and you know what? Maybe some of us come from broken homes. Some of us come without families. But let me tell you right now, there are people who love you who are praying for you. This church loves you and they're praying for you. I was in a meeting earlier today, man. We just spent, man, I was just so blessed and ministered to just sit with the pastoral staff here. And they're just praying for you. Praying for you. Like the Father, we need to start praying like our life and our family and our friends' lives, like our church life depends on it because it does. You know, when we focus on good preaching, we get what only good preaching can, can do. And you got one of the best here. But even still, good preaching can only do so much. When we focus on good administration, we get what only good administration can do. When we focus on good music, we get what only good music can do. And, and all of these things are important, but they're not enough. When we focus on good programming, we get what only good programming can do, and it's not much. But when we start focusing on praying, we get what an awesome, all-powerful God can do. You see, prayer takes us off the hook and puts God there in our place. John 4, 50, Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. This guy believes Jesus. You know, this guy believes Jesus' own family doesn't believe. The Samaritan town can believe, but Jesus' own hometown can't believe. The people who should believe don't, and the ones who who should believe, those who should believe don't, and those who shouldn't believe do. And that's why there's going to be a whole lot of surprises in heaven. One of the professors here in one of my classes, I think it was Dr. Oregio, he told me there's three surprises in heaven. We're going to be surprised some people are there. We didn't expect to be there. Hallelujah. I plan to be there. What about you? We're going to be surprised some people are not there. We expected to be there. And the third surprise is we're all going to be a little surprised we're there. <laughs> the man believed the word that Jesus spoke. And like Mary, went on his way. Brought Jesus the problem and then walked away. Man, this guy believed it before it happened. Can you believe it before it happens? Because that's faith. 
You see, the father anticipates Jesus doing something. Mary anticipates Jesus doing something. And I've discovered that the Holy Spirit thrives in an, atm in an atmosphere of anticipation. Man, when Moses anticipated God doing something about the Red Sea, man, it's split in half. When Joshua anticipated God stopping the sun in its tracks, it stopped. You see, this is why you got to stop hanging out with people who are toxic, people who never anticipate anything changing and start surrounding yourself with people who are anticipating God doing something. Show me your friends and I can show you your future. Surround yourself with winners and tell the losers to go. Surround yourself with people who anticipate God's leading People who anticipate God's healing. I want to be around people who really do believe that Christ is coming. When we start believing and the Holy Spirit starts moving, God starts speaking. Remember, the word starts creating and new life starts appearing. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. Don't you see? It wasn't because he saw the sign that he believed, but because Jesus said it. That's real faith. you got to believe it, not because you see it, but because God said it. John 20, 29. I must have left that verse out of my notes. That's okay. John 20, 29. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? See, this is the theme all through the Gospel of John. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Feeling. Friends, let me tell you, feelings can deceive us. I don't know how many times I felt like I was worthless. When I felt like I could never change. When I felt like I was no good. You see, feelings can deceive us. The Bible says our own heart condemns us. But God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Who cares what your heart says if the word says that God loves you with an everlasting love. Our hearts are deceitful above all things. They lie to us. They lie to us. I don't care what your feelings say. What does God say? Instead of believing it because you see it or feel it, start believing it because he said it. Man, if he said, confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, then you can believe it. If he said that he's got you in the palm of his hands and that no one can snatch you, you can believe it. Hebrews 11:6 says that whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you believe that his power is greater than your problem, your pain? His strength is greater than your weakness, his forgiveness greater than your sinfulness. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said, Yesterday at the Seventh hour, his fever left him. Check it out. The exact moment that Jesus said it and this father believed it, God did it. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said it to him. Your son will live. And he believed. And check it out. The belief didn't stay with the father. It went to his household. 
The belief didn't stay with the Samaritan woman. It went to the town. Real belief is contagious. The question is, do you believe? John 1.11 says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. You see, they couldn't believe the kingdom of God could show up in their time, in their town, in their life. But the good news is John 1.12 continues, but to all who, do, who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Friends, Jesus loves doing miracles in people and places where it's least expected. And that's why Jesus is, is always showing up in peculiar places. Jesus shows up in the middle of the night with a Pharisee. And then in the next chapter, he shows up in the middle of the day in Samaria. Jesus is always showing up in peculiar places. Like in a crib or on a cross or in a drug addict's heart named Richie. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. But do you believe it? Stop asking God for another sign. You see, the fact that you're alive is a sign that God's working. The fact that you're here is a sign that God's working. The fact that you even thought about baptism is proof that God's working. Because John 6, says, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent, him, sent me draws him. Which means even thinking about God is proof he's working dynamically in our life. Friends, it is time to take the next step with Jesus tonight. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and, and we're going to sing a song together. We're going to sing, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Man, it's time to take that next step with Jesus. I don't know what the next step is, but you do. You do. God does. I want you to take that next step with Jesus. But more than me, Jesus wants you to take that next step. Text overcome. We've been talking about this number. Text overcome to the number on your screen. Make a commitment. Whether it's baptism. Whether it's to not miss a single night this week. Give us something in your life that we can pray for. Maybe you need to make the decision to talk to someone about an addiction, a habit, a hang up, a hardship. Maybe you just need to talk to someone about something else. Make that decision. I don't care what anyone else is doing. Father didn't care what anyone else was doing. Who cares what the world thinks? I just want to know what Jesus thinks. Make a decision tonight. You can't do this alone. you got to connect with people. But the bottom line is, friends, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Tonight, place your belief and your hope, not in signs, but in the word of God, Jesus Christ. Don't worry about your unbelief. All you need is a little belief, and Jesus can more than make up for all the unbelief in the world. If you've just got the belief the size of a mustard seed, if you've just got enough belief to give me your life, your heart, I can begin new creation in your life. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me 
has eternal life. Stop putting eternal life on layaway. You make a decision to step into new life today. He does not come into the judgment but has passed from death to life. Make a decision tonight. There is no better time than right now to say all to Jesus I surrender. Tis so sweet. Tis so sweet the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to The Darkness Will Not Overcome, a production of Pioneer Memorial Church in collaboration with Andrews University Center for Faith Engagement. To learn more about Pioneer Memorial Church, visit pmchurch.org. If you or someone you know would like to talk to someone about a mental health or substance abuse issue, please call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again in the future for another Pioneer Podcast.